We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. Hello, I'm Brandon Perna, host of That's Good Sports, a 10-minute-ish daily NFL comedy podcast. Have you ever wished for a crappy version of The Daily Show, but only about the NFL? Then, first and foremost, I implore you to dream much bigger. Secondly, I would recommend subscribing to That's Good Sports. Every weekday, I will be giving you NFL news, telling questionable jokes, and swearing just enough so you won't ever be able to listen with your kids in the room or car. I don't ask for a lot, but if you don't subscribe on iTunes, my wife said she will leave me. Thanks, and I look forward to putting my voice in your ear holes. I want to talk about our opponent this afternoon. They're bigger, faster, stronger, more experienced, and on paper, they're just better. And they know it too. But I want to tell you something that they don't know. They don't know your heart. I do. I've seen it. You have shown it to me. You have shown this coaching staff, your teammates, you have shown yourselves just exactly who you are in here. When you take that field today, you've got to lay that heart on the line, man. From the soles of your feet, with every ounce of blood you've got in your body, lay it on the line until the final whistle blows. And if you do that, if you do that, we cannot lose. All right, welcome back to Big Screen Sports, the podcast breaking down the on-field action of your favorite sports movies, brought to you by the Blue Wire Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Kyle Banduho. For today's episode, we're covering We Are Marshall, and I was joined by two return guests, New York Times bestselling author Jeff Perlman and his son Emmett, who, if you remember, joined me for Teen Wolf a few weeks back. Jeff is awesome to talk movies with and awesome to talk with in general. Go check out his podcast, Two Writers Slinging Yang, for more from him. And his son Emmett is one of the sharpest 12-year-olds around. It was really interesting to get three different perspectives on this movie, and three people have different perceptions of, of martial football. Make sure to check out the rest of the Blue Wire Network for all of your sports podcasting needs, from football to gambling. We've also got a lot of cool merch for the football season, so you can check that out by going to bluewirepods.com. 
As always, make sure you subscribe to Big Screen Sports. You get episodes every Thursday. And if you haven't yet, please take the tiniest amount of time, leave a rating and a review. I value all the reviews you guys leave. And I know I sound like a broken record, but any rating and review helps with growing this podcast. So help me out. Take the time when you finish, or even right now, pause it, go subscribe, and hit a review. With that, let's go to Jeff, Emmett, and we are Marshall. All right, joining me for today's episode, back after covering Teen Wolf with me a few weeks back, uh, he's the best-selling, he's New York Times best-selling author of books such as Gunslinger and the newly released on paperback Football for a Buck, and host of the podcast Two Writers Slinging Yang. It's Jeff Perlman and his son Emmett. Guys, how are you doing? We're great. Yeah. Right, Em? Yeah, we're doing great. Jeff, before you tell the folks about uh, Football for a Buck and you know where they can get it, Emmett, I you've got something to plug. Yeah, my my amazing Halloween costume. I'm I've been I'm working on it more than a month before Halloween, and it's like an electric light suit. That is sick. Thank you. <laughs> That's all. He's I really think, good. Uh, I think my kid's gonna be a garbage man, so I, I I wish we could trade. He um. I was a he, trash can last year. Oh, my kid would love you. And the year before, he was a bush. Just killing the game, killing the game. Uh, Jeff, tell the folks where they can get uh, football for a buck on paperback. No, it's everywhere. You know, Amazon bookstores, blah blah blah. Came out about a week ago on paperback, and uh, yeah, it's out. You know, labor of love book. So anyone who supports it, I really appreciate it. I couldn't uh, I couldn't recommend football for a buck higher. It was a great read. I'm actually uh, working on Gunslinger right now. I'm going to tell you that before we start recording. Also a great read. And then uh, you've got Showtime coming out in the future. So definitely check that out. Guys, a couple uh, couple weeks ago, I guess, maybe about two months ago, we did uh, we did Teen Wolf, the classic Teen Wolf. We're here for a for a much different kind of movie it's a it's a historical football drama we're doing we are marshall's 2006 football drama got a 48 percent on rotten tomatoes gross 43 and a half million it was directed by mick g real name joseph mcginty nickel but he goes by mick g uh right before this directed both charlie's angels movies uh it stars matthew mcconaughey matthew fox anthony mackie kate mara and ian mcshane uh, this is right when Matthew, this is probably at Matthew Fox's, I think, peak fame years. Uh, this is two years after Lost and or after Lost starts. And then it's about five years before the McConaissance starts with, uh, with the Lincoln lawyer. Um, Emmett, is Matthew Fox like anything to you right now? How old are you? I'm 12. So Matthew Fox, so Matthew Fox played Red. Is he anything at all to you? Is he on your radar at all? He's, he's the guy who wanted the football team and was the whole thing, right? Yeah, the assistant coach. Yeah. Oh, oh, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the assistant coach. Yeah. Does he mean anything to you, Emmett? Like as an actor or in the movie? As an actor. I I didn't even know he existed. <laughs> That's I, amazing. Ten years I, ago, he was also, on the biggest show on television. Also, I don't, I don't have a huge actor knowledge, but yeah. yeah. Well, speaking of, of kind of the same topic, what is Emmett, you're young, so we're, we're three to Emmett, you're 12, I'm 28. Jeff, you're older than both of us. Emmett, starting with you, what does Marshall football mean to you? When you, when you watch this movie and you're talking, you know, we're talking about the Marshall University football program, is that on your radar at all? This is... This is another, this is going to be another one of those things where you're like, really? 
I thought Marshall was a made-up school. That's awesome. I thought awesome. Marshall was something that they made for the movie. That is awesome. Uh, for me, Marshall is Randy Moss, Chad Pennington, and then Byron Lefwich. Uh, for me, like Marshall has always been really good at football, at least like a solid, you know, a solid program. They were um, FCS champs, I think, you know, in the late 90s. And then ever since transitioning to FBS, they've been a solid program. Jeff, what is the Marshall football program to you? Right. So when I was in college at the University of Delaware, Marshall was still one double A, so they were the uh, they were the rival of um, they were one of the rivals because they were a power and and Delaware was a power, uh, and Marshall was more of a power than Delaware, and they had some. The, it's funny how people remember Randy Moss, Chad Pennington, uh, and Lefowitz because when I was there, they had a quarterback named Michael Payton, who was not related to Walter Payton, unbelievable Division One double A quarterback. So for me. Uh, Marshall was the school that schools like Delaware aspired to be in football, and they were always uh, a school you had to go through to reach the one double championship game, and and they were sort of the class of it all uh, back in the day. So that's what I think of when I think of Marshall football. That's interesting. It's three three different perspectives, and then from this movie, kind of shows you Marshall. I guess Marshall was picking up as a power when you got into college, because I think post this movie, um, they were a doormat. Because, uh, you know, this movie is about the uh, it's the true story following the 1970 plane crash that killed the entire Marshall football team. Uh, and then the the ensuing season where the, the coach, new coach and, and an old coach rebuild the program. Uh, this film, before we get going, this film was sued by the makers of the 2000 documentary Ashes to Glory, The Tragedy and Triumph of Marshall Football, claiming the film stole their ideas and research. While Warner Brothers, who, who made the film, was were victorious in the suit, one of the key differences they used as evidence was the We Are Marshall chant being fictitious, which I, which I think is a stain on the movie, and I'm sure we'll talk a lot about the actual We Are Marshall chant. Uh, you know, the fact that they just add, had to add something fictitious and that, you know, I, I'm surprised that they didn't work hand in hand with a documentary. The, the example I could think of was the, uh, the doc Dogtown and Z boys and then Lords of Dogtown, uh, the, the fictional film based on it. Stacy Peralta, you know, wrote both of them. He directed the documentary. I think, I think this movie would have probably been better in the hands of people who, um, who involved the documentary, but Regardless, let's get into, you know, first questions for you guys, and this is something I wish I would have asked you when we did Team Wolf. For you, what makes a good sports film? Emmett, you start. Okay, I think a sports film, I mean, it depends what you're looking for. If it's a sports film that people will, like, enjoy but not actually a good movie, it's a lot of, like, I mean, it's it's a lot of high-quality sports action and, like... I mean, some heart moment where it's like, we need to do this as a team, which pretty much every movie has now. But And then they win in the end, of course. You can't have a good movie where they lose, except for if it's really good, like Creed or something like that. But I think if it's like a quality movie, it need to be a lot more realistic than We Are Marshall. But like, if it's something that people enjoy, it's a lot of action and some heart moments, but they don't take up the whole movie. I'm going to presume that win in the end was a sneaky shout to Teen Wolf, to the amazing song they played at the last basketball game in Teen Wolf. I'm just, I'm just going to go with that. <laughs> Jeff, for you, what makes a good sports film? I mean, the number one thing I want, especially in a sports film like this, 
is um, I want it to be as if it's if it's based on if it's quote unquote based on a true story, um, it has to be as loyal to the story as it can possibly be. I understand uh, making little alterations here and there. Uh, I get that, but I I, I feel like um, the flaw with movies like this, the flaw with movies like Remember the Titans, is there are sets departures from what really happened, and it kind of ruins the movie. Um, to me, the best sports movie of all time, as Emmett will tell you, I've watched it about eight thousand times, is Creed. Yeah. And I thought, mm-hmm. I thought Creed was just a beautiful movie. And I mean, I don't know, beautiful. It's for not... me, for me, it's a beautiful movie. And even though he doesn't win at the end, it has all the heart, everything Emmett talked about, which is the highs, the lows, rooting for the guy, the training montages, um, and it also had a level of sort of realism and a level of heart to it that a lot, like this movie, lacked. I thought, and. Uh, it's hard though. There are a lot of crappy sports movies. There are far, far, far more bad sports movies than good ones. I agree. Uh, the side note: the first boxing match in Creed, just the single shot, is amazing. One, it's, I mean, it's one of the best five minutes ever filmed in a sports movie. Oh yeah. Um, I think the the ultimate example, the best example of a true story staying true to the story and doing a great job is for me is Miracle. I love Miracle. Uh, I, I think it's Miracle still on Netflix. It's it's how incredible. Close, how close did that stay? Because I like Miracle. I don't know how how close very, did that, that very. yeah very close. And they um they did the uh, the Mike Ruzioni I play for the United States of America scene was a little was a Hollywood thing because yeah. uh, we covered that back I think in episode fifteen. And but yeah for the most part they stayed very true. And with a lot of these sports stories, if it is worth making a movie about it normally i think you don't need to fictionalize much it was already there there's already so much there that if you just tell the story and add that you know a little bit of hollywood in there i I think it's going to be i think it's going to be fine and this movie didn't go that route in a lot of ways so for you uh emmett you start is this a hall of fame an all-star a starter or a bench warmer for you Okay, is this like among sports movies? Among among movies? sports movies. Okay, yeah. sports movies. Um, okay, there are much better sports movies, and there have been so many football movies. Like there are a lot of football movies, and honestly, the high for me of this movie was the football scenes, which are also better in other movies. So, I think there's a lot of monologuing and stuff like that. So it'd be like above bench warmer. But below, it's it's like it starts. It's like if it, if it were a player, it'd be like it'd be like if it was on the Good Warriors, it'd be like before the five good starters. But he'd still play in the game. Okay, that's a, that's fair. That's fair, Jeff. What about for you? Hall of Fame All Star starter or bench warmer? This is seventeen levels below bench warmer. Seriously, <laughs> this is one of my least fit. This this is one of my ten least favorite movies of all time. I hate this movie. The floor is going to be yours for a lot of this podcast, then, because okay. I I need to hear that. Uh, I want to knock out the IMDb trivia before before Jeff goes to town. Uh, IMDb trivia. Obviously, this movie is based on true story. Southern Airways Flight Nine Thirty Two was char was a chartered DC nine from Kinston, North Carolina. To uh, Huntington, where uh, where um, the university is, the plane was carrying 37 team members, eight members of the coaching staff, 25 boosters, four flight crew, and one charter company employee. On November 14th, plane crashed into a hill just short of tri- just short of Tri-State Airport, killing all 75 on board. Um, 
which is a bummer. Uh, pretty terrible. 70 children lost one parent in the crash. An additional 18 were orphaned. I thought that was important to include because with something like this, I feel like a movie like this has a responsibility to tell this story really well. Um, if, you know, if you're going to make this Ian McShane claimed that he got into character by drawing on his memories of the fatal plane crash of the Manchester United soccer team, having known some of the players, Jeff, I included this one for you. Marshall QB, Reggie Oliver had a brief pro career. He was a backup quarterback for the Birmingham Vulcans of the ill-fated world football league in 1975, that's awesome. Which, uh, the, uh, who was the, the owner of the, um, the Tampa Bay franchise in the USFL had a lot to do with yeah. that, right? John Bassett. John, John Bassett. Bassett, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Brett Rice, who is played by Lloyd Boone, uh, or either uh, Lloyd Boone, who's played by Brett Rice, was the, uh, he owned the diner, the uh, the Boone's Diner, was also in Remember the Titans, another football movie with main characters named Coach Boone. Uh, he was he was a lot more likable in this movie, to be honest. Mm-hmm. The, the name of Marshall's winning play against Xavier was 213 Bootleg Screen. I want to talk about I want to holster that because I'm not sure this movie knows what a screen is. Yeah. And then the We Are Marshall chant didn't start until the mid-80s. You're missing the biggest one, though. Hit me with it. Oh, my God. The one that kills me. Is this me. the one where it's like the one where the thing, the protest was not? No. Wait, that was one, too. The biggest one, by far, hands down, no close second. Oh, yeah, yeah, this is true. Is Red Dawson was never supposed to be on the flight. So the whole, first of all, the movie is called We Are Marshall. And that chant didn't even exist until years later. And so the whole premise of like what you're selling here is total, I'm sorry, I'm at total bullshit. And then, I know I curse in front of you at home. I was trying to be nice. And then um, Red Dawson, the whole, like so much of this movie is about his guilt over not having been on the flight. And he, oh, I was going to be on the flight. And the guy he traded seats with ended up dying on the flight. And this never thing, he wasn't supposed to be, he was never going to be on that flight. Never. It was just made up. And I just think when you take liberties like that, with the story that is this gripping, whether you, you don't have to make very much up for this, the story of a plane crash with a bunch of college kids dying to be gripping. And they made so much up. I thought it was such a lazy effort. Like mm-hmm. just a lazy uh, irresponsible effort of a movie. Yeah, because like I said, you have a responsibility to tell this the right way. Like I, 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 I dove into it and I saw like Red Dawson dealt with with some survivors' guilt over the course of his life, which is which is natural, I think. And that's something I don't think you needed to make it so he was supposed to be on the flight for that. I think that would have been a natural thing, regardless. Um, the whole the scene tying it into the scene with his wife thinking he was on the plane. Like, why do that? That wasn't a right. thing. Right. Um, I mean, when you get there, there's two aspects that I think hurt this movie. And one is taking liberties with a story that they liberties that they don't need to take. And then just the movie in general, the execution, it is Emmett touched on this. It's very, it's just monologue, emotional monologue oh after emotional God. monologue. And that's so just many. like, they throw, yeah, they throw McConaughey, those monologues. They're like, his his character is nothing but a walking monologue. And it, it's exhausting. And like, later, McConaughey is a guy who, if nothing else, always goes for it. And I think that worked out to his benefit of, you know, a few years after this, especially with like Rust Cole and True Detective, stuff like that. But he, it's just, it's exhausting. This movie is really exhausting. You're told so many times that it's a devastating, sad, emotional thing that by the end, you don't really feel it. 
one thing yeah. Emma and I talked about a lot during this movie is this was McConaughey. His performance was a train wreck. I don't understand. I don't even understand what he was going for because the coach he was playing, suppose he was this just normal guy, and it's like he was playing Simple Jack from Tropic Thunder. His character was so unlikable. He just seems really stupid, but like he's supposed to be the kind of person that's like stupid but still works with football. Except he just seems like he wouldn't work with football. He just seems like no one would ever want to talk to him because he either gives you a giant monologue or he says something stupid. Yeah. I think they they wrote him that way. Like they just they give him these lines, but he's also he's seemingly super immune to the tragedy that's occurred and like everyone else's feelings. And I don't think any normal human would be that way. I can't imagine that that coach was not extremely sensitive to everyone in the town. You know, the struggle that they were going through is it's really exhausting. Um, And it's really disappointing because I, I love McConaughey and a lot of stuff. I actually thought that his performance was exhausting. Matthew Fox was fine. Ian McShane, Emmett, Ian McShane was the actor who played the, uh, he was the dad whose son died. Oh, and he, was he just, never existed. He never existed in real life, his character. And he was, a, I mean, he overplayed that so badly. Mm-hmm. And it was like, you could feel the coal dust coming off of that guy, but not in a good way. You were just like, I want this guy away from me because he's just overbearingly annoying. I needed fewer conversations between him and Kate Mara. Uh, Matthew Fox was, it was basically like they took, Jack from Lost and just threw him into he had that same like always devastated look on his face uh yeah. that that Matthew Fox perfected on that show. Now Kyle, you know what you know what dates you? Or no, dates me. And actually sets the sort of uh lineup that you said earlier. I think of Matthew Fox first and foremost from Party of Five, which is a show I used to watch, which predates you. You think of him from Lost, which I never watched, and Emmett has no idea. <laughs> No idea who he is. I don't. I have no idea what's happening here. Emmett Lost was on Netflix, and I would. I I still love Lost. I I, oh. I vouch for Lost, even even the last mm-hmm. season. Um, let Let's swing into the best scenes. Uh, okay. I wrote down four. You can tell me if I miss anything. Um, the first game in the crash. The crash was the one thing I thought they did well. I'm glad yeah, they didn't I show did. the plane going going down. I think that would have been really tasteless. Um, it was very intense. It, you know, it, the crash scene is very emotional. The crash scene, they, they, I think they did the thing right in the crash scene. I liked the recruiting scene. It wasn't the most realistic thing in the world. I just love the, the concept of recruiting. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought that was enjoyable. The first Mm -hmm. practice scene, mostly because they used Judy blue eyes as the music. And I love that song. Funny. Yeah. And then, um, you know, the last game, the, the football action in this movie isn't, isn't bad. Like it's, no. you know, it's, they got guys who look like seventies football players. I think it's, you know, it's, it's up there with like a remember the Titans or something like that. Did I miss, were there any other scenes that yeah, you guys yeah, liked? You, you missed a big one. Hit me with the it. One, the, this is like cheesy and I don't actually think it's that great, but it is a big scene in the movie when they're all outside the office and they're all chanting, we are Marshall, which never happened, but they're still chanting it.
I think that's the reason I didn't include it. Was it, yeah. It's like a big chill moment, and that's what they're going for. But I'm also like, if that didn't happen, like why? That's that's too big a thing to not yeah. to not happen and include. That I was think, also. Oh, go ahead, Emmett. Sorry. I think for that thing too, like the whole argument to bring the football team back is kind of weird. Like the whole thing is that it's like a huge emotional thing for the town. Like everyone's hit, everyone's really depressed. And this one guy doesn't listen to anyone else and just thinks they should bring the football team back when it actually makes complete sense to not. They don't have their staff. The town is still recovering. And everyone just kind of like, this is right after the plane crashed. Like right after. And he's like, you know what? We need football back. We're going to do it immediately after. And it just, it doesn't really make sense. I agree with that. Well, nothing's more American than people saying, oh, football will fix everything. Yeah, but it was he makes a good point, which is basically Anthony Mackey's character, Nate Ruffin, was this one player who's like, we need to have football here. And it's like, all right, I guess we need to have football here. Like, it's so simplistic. You know, like some kid, like, is this like, we need to have football. So we're going to have, like, I'm sure the reasons were very textured and there was a lot of debate and there was a lot of nuance and back and forth. And should we do this? Shouldn't we do this? Uh, and they just made it like, yeah. The uh, the star safety wants to have football, so let's have football next year. Yeah, it was a missed opportunity for uh, for legitimate drama in the film. Let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors, and then we'll get into what you know some actual authentic things with this movie. Big Screen Sports is brought to you by Harry's. I've been using Harry's razors on my face for over a year, and now you too can join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your special offer by going to Harry's.com/bluewire. Harry's founders were two regular guys tired of getting ripped off and paying for overpriced razors. Harry's makes quality, durable blades at a fair price, just $2 a blade. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. I'm a notoriously cheap dude and I've never asked Harry's for a refund because I love how my face feels after using Harry's blades. This summer, refresh your wallet and your face with a Harry's trial set. Comes with a weighted ergonomic handle for an easy grip, a five blade razor with lubricating strip and a trimmer blade for a close shave, rich lathering shave gel that will leave you smelling great, and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy on the go. No gunked up razor hanging out in your toiletry bag just waiting to give you the worst travel shave of your life. Listeners of Big Screen Sports can redeem their trial set at harrys.com slash bluewire. Make sure you go to harrys.com slash bluewire, redeem your offer, and let them know that Big Screen Sports sent you to help support the show. Big Screen Sports is also brought to you by mybookie.ag. At the end of a hard week, it's great to sit down, take some time off, and watch some football. Unless you're a Dolphins fan, then it's probably good to sit down and stare at a cement wall or paint something that's not watching football. But uh, for everyone else, game-winning touchdowns on two-minute drives, running backs racing down the sidelines with no one to stop them, there's nothing like the NFL or college football, and there's no better way to make the games even more exciting than to bet on them. The same goes for postseason baseball. I want to implore my listeners, do not forget about betting on postseason baseball. Bet on the Minnesota Twins. This year's the year. Uh, But when you do that, do the smart thing. Go to mybookie.ag. No one gives you more ways to win than they do. MyBookie's got the fastest payouts and better lines than any other sports book. Where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on, and mybookie.ag is the best in the business. That's where I place my bets. That's where I'm going to place my Twins World Series bet, where you should too. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try Parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. You could perhaps parlay the Minnesota Twins winning the World Series with the Dallas Cowboys winning the NFC. I, I like the chances. 
Join now, and my bookie would double your first deposit. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to activate the offer. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, before we get into the most authentic and the least authentic, Jeff, I think you had something to add for best scene. Okay, so what I think they did, when you said the plane crash, um, I agreed with you. And I actually thought, I'm a big fan of like little tiny Eminosis, little tiny nooks. Like like in Rocky, my favorite moment in Rocky is when- Where's your hat? Where's your hat? She comes into the uh, ring at the end of his fight against Creed. And she, he goes, where's your hat? Like, I love little nuances Wait, no, like that. No, no. Oh, yeah. Right. yeah. Where's your hat? I love stuff like that. Like, little tiny nooks. And what I thought was really good with the plane crash is they're on the plane. It, there's a little turbulence. I think the pilot says something. They show a real hard shake of the camera, and that's it. Like, that is it. And then you go to the fire and the crash. I thought that was – I mean, I hate this movie. But I thought that was a perfectly executed – way to do a plane crash. I thought everything about that five second little span was perfection. So that's my favorite scene in the movie right there. Those five seconds. Mm -hmm. When, um, when Nate and the other guy go over the hill and they see, they suddenly see the, I mean, it is, it's almost like it's in a different movie because it's so well executed. And then everything after it is like, not great. Did you guys go ahead? No, I was going to say, it's like, um, it's like the, the crash to the devastation is 20 minutes of a really good movie packaged in a bunch of like Motown music accompanied nonsense. You know, like those 20 minutes show that this guy is a good filmmaker, has the, has the ability to make a good movie and everything else is just trash. Yeah. All right, guys, for you, what were the most and least authentic you know, sports centric parts and them or, you know, with the film, we're talking about history, just in general, what, what felt actually felt authentic to you. And then I think a longer category, what didn't. Mm-hmm. You want to go first? Yeah, I'm go first. Okay. Um, I think maybe the, 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 the part when they were getting the players, when they were scouting and stuff like that, when they were like going out to try to convince the players and literally every player they showed up, like, the other school just took them. But, like, the other school, th- those were, like, like eight quarterbacks. How can the other school take all eight quarterbacks? And no, you, like, you misunderstood that, though. They're just saying all those kids were being taken by different schools. They weren't all going to the same school. No, they act, like they all were being taken by, like, people wearing the school hats, and they were taken by – it was the same school, I remember. Really? I will yeah. say, I remember watching the SEC story they did on the Mannings and Archie Manning saying that when he came into Ole Miss, there were like seven or eight freshman quarterbacks. Oh, funny. Really? Oh, well, okay then. But also, I thought the scouting was a little, like, it just seemed unrealistic, kind of, because they just, like, they go through, like, a list of players and they all just show up and they all just, like, instantly go away at the moment when they're going to get them. And it just felt like, it was made for a movie, which of course it was, but it just, it felt like it was being forced. I think that's definitely fair to say. Jeff, did you have something for most or least? Yeah. Um, there was one thing it's, it's a little nook and it's the kind of thing, uh, I hate or like in movies, which is they actually signed. So after they were allowed to, uh, recruit freshmen, they signed 
in the movie, one of the top quarterbacks. They actually got him and they shook hands. I wish I had my notes in front of me. I can't find them, but they, there was one guy in his name and they signed him and they shook hands and they were all excited. The coaches are like, yes, we got our guy. And then they end up coming to, uh, to start practice. And it's basically like, we don't have a quarterback. And I'm thinking, wait, you signed this guy to play quarterback. And all of a sudden it's like, just for no reason. It's almost like they, they just forgot. They forgot that this guy existed and this scene existed and they had no quarterback. And then there's the thought, like the whole, like, well, I would say my least favorite, one of one of my 700 least favorite scenes in this movie is the baseball player slides into home, knocks out the catcher, and the football coach is, light, is right there. And he's like, hey, you ever think of playing football? And it's like, you can't have – but it's like you can't have it both ways. You can't be a serious movie about a plane crash and try to have this sort of, you know, authenticity. And then at the same time, give me like nonsense – golly gee happy contrived recruiting stories that never could have happened yeah you can't go recruit like it's the longest yard movie where they're saying guys like with like physical skills and like oh we're gonna put you on the football field right hey a basketball player you're gonna be our tight end and then he's your tight end like it doesn't work that way it just doesn't really work that way yeah a lot of times this movie couldn't decide if it wanted to be a very serious somber monologue movie or like a kitschy football movie and it, it needed to make a decision and it didn't um, for me, Kyle, I, did you like the movie? Uh, no, it was, it's a, it's a, I would say it's a starter for me only because if it's on TV and nothing else is on, I'll leave it on. But my yeah. standards for that aren't very high. It's like a spot start. It's like that swing man in the bullpen. Like, you know, he, he probably going to pitch out of the pen, but if some guy gets sick, he's going to, you know, he'll throw every fifth day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah but it, I mean, it's, it's definitely, it's low on the totem pole for me. So this movie to me is the equivalent of 42, which was a really, really awful Jackie Robinson movie that is good for only people ages like 10 and younger, where it was highly sanitized. Like the scene in 40, you've seen 42, Kyle? Yeah, yeah. With like Chadwick me, Boseman. Yeah. And Chadwick Boseman is great. He's a great actor. It's nothing against him. But like to me in 42, the scene that sums that movie up is when the guy playing Ralph Branca is like, take a shower with us, Jesse. I mean, Jackie, you know what I mean? Take a shout. And it was like this stupid contrived nonsense. It didn't have to be that way. And in this movie, like, it's just, there's so much there. And I was saying, like, you have Anthony Mackie, who's kind of the, the, the third star in this movie. And he's playing Nate Ruffin, uh, a safety on the team. Anthony Mackie is a really good actor. He wears it on his sleeve. Uh, I felt he was the best actor in this movie. Um, and, like, 1970 West Virginia. He's an African-American kid. His best friend on the team is white. At that time, I'm guessing uh, black players and white players were not allowed to room together, which they didn't touch at all. But most schools, especially in the South at that point, would not allow uh, different races to room together. Not a, not a morsel of that in this movie. Not a morsel about the complexity of the times. It's like everybody gets along great. The whites and the blacks are in West Virginia. There's just a lot there. The weight of the plane crash was reduced to a couple of monologues or not a couple, like a hundred monologues. Um, it was just so simplistic. The movie is so freaking simplistic that I really hate it. I think this movie is kind of best summed up by that, uh, that meme or that, that kind of like that vine of that Southern preacher that's just like, why, 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 why? And it's like, right. why did they make all these decisions. Why did they make this movie so kitschy and insert things that didn't need to be inserted? 
and omit things that probably could have been touched on when there was so much there. It's such a rich story. But speaking on Anthony Mackie, I think that's a way we can swing this into stuff that actually worked with this movie. I thought Anthony Mackie was really good for what he was given with this script, for for what he had to show. I, I thought he was the best part of the movie. Emmett, you agree? That's the guy. Emmett, you know who Anthony Mackie is? He's also in. Uh, he's uh, Captain America's best friend. Oh, him. He was the guy who played the guy who wanted to be. He wanted the football team to come back. Yeah. What do you think of him? Um, I think he he was good, but his role was a little confusing. He was like an emotional sidekick to everyone, but he also wanted like the team to come back and he was a football player and he got injured, but he still played. And he was like, he was a focus, but he, no one was really focusing on him. Like he was something to focus on, but there wasn't that much to focus on. I needed more people to support the guy. He felt like he was so alone. His character felt like he was so alone in this. And I, I can't imagine that's how things actually were. He was one of the, I mean, the whole, he gets the whole town to rally around him, but in main characters, there was really, until the end when, when Red kind of is like, oh, we're, you know, we're feeling the same thing. It, he's very much on his own island with that. And it, it's, it's kind of disappointing. But what else did you guys have that was actually good? What actually worked with this movie? <laughs> Jeff, you can sit this one out if you need. Emmett, what did you have? Um, I mean, okay, I think that what you said, like the plane crash was, was good. The plane crash scene was good. I mean, I think the seriousness of the actual subject in the serious parts was serious enough. I mean, it was, it was, it, a bunch of people died, which it's a, the correct amount of seriousness like they didn't go and make it this goofy film which they kind of did but they did at least try to make it serious so i mean they that put in the just, effort you're saying you think? yeah they they did something to try to not make it this disgusting like goofy disgrace to what actually happened but i think i think that they at least tried making it a little serious because that's what actually happened was uh, that's something. It's kind of hard to figure something good out about this movie. Wait, Kyle, you gotta yes. just, you gotta let me, I gotta go off more. Can I just go off a little more here? Jeff, floor is yours. Okay. So Kate Mara is sort of, she's the quote, her and Anthony Mackie are kind of the young quote unquote breakout stars of this movie. Right. And Kate Mara plays a, a, the girlfriend of a football player who dies. And, um, she doesn't exist in real life. Her character doesn't exist in real life. Ian McShane's character doesn't exist in real life. The weird thing is, like, a super weird moment in this movie in a creepy kind of weird way. Her boyfriend dies. It's Ian McShane's son. And there's a point where they're walking arm in arm like they're dating, the dad and Kate Mara. And he's like, you need to go, Annie. You need to go. But it's like, it's like almost like this weird sexual tension. Why are you walking arm in arm with the dad of the guy you dated? Like, what the hell is with that? And that was super weird to me. And then, like, you know, like Anthony Mackie basically like dislocates his collarbone like 17 times in this movie. And it's like, I'm not coming out. I'm not like, have you ever tried doing? I actually dislocated my, my, my shoulder, which is the equivalent in a, in a basketball game. You don't just play with that. Like I couldn't play basketball with it. You're not playing football with it. I don't care what they say. And a coach isn't putting you in with it. And the biggest thing since we're on Anthony Mackie, 
so there are two survivors. Him, I mean, he, not a survivor, but him and his teammate, the white guy, don't go on the plane. They they go to a movie instead because they're out. Um, Anthony Mackie insists we need to keep playing football. His friend is like, I can't play. I can't do this. Any normal human being, Em and I, we talked about this at the time. Any normal human being would be like, man, I totally get it. Don't come back and play football. Worry about you. Like, imagine, imagine guilting your friend who's having survivor's guilt into playing football and then making him feel like a loser when he decides he can't play because, oh, by the way, the entire team died in a plane crash. It's insane. There's also very little, like, come around to that story. Like, you think it's building up to something, like he's going right? to rejoin the team or something. And then, like, like, he's in the stands for the last game, but it's a fleeting thing. It's more just like, oh, yeah, this guy has survivor's guilt. And that's and all also, they give you. That's all they wait, give you. They win the game. And, of course, Anthony Mackie's – all right, Steve, what is it? let's be – let's go underestimate. The stadium holds, we'll say, 20,000 fans. We'll just go small. He happens to spot his friend in the stands – and gives that look that we've seen in a million different crap movies. That look like it's okay, man. It's okay. You know that look. The double. It, the double. Yeah, we're bi- Emma and I are big. We're big criticizers, and this movie's full of them. Of the double, like I'm good, man. I'm good. Like the double up on language, Emmett. When you say we hate that, I hate when they do that. It's, so it's a sports big. movie cliche. Yeah, we're good, man. We're good. this pod- Kyle. This podcast sucks, man. It sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, I've got something that that works for this movie that you're going to have to agree that was good. I can't do it. But go ahead. The soundtrack. The soundtrack is awesome. Is it? It's got Crosby, Stills and Nash, is Black Sabbath, Creedence, Neil Diamond. It's good. Go if you go look at the songs on the soundtrack, at the very least, those are good. Yeah, I it's enjoyable. It's not I mean, I know I'm, I'm well aware of the music in it, and I, I think it's a little obvious, but I understand what you're saying. It's not a bad... If you were driving in your car in the year was 1997, you were still listening to CDs, and you popped in the We Are Marshall soundtrack, it would be okay, but it doesn't make up for Ian McShane being awful. That's true. That's true. One thing that this movie does really well, if we're talking about the on-field action, which was kind of the original premise of this podcast, we did now, and now we just kind of go into the grand scope of every movie, has one of the best kick scenes in any football movie, because it's got that like whoosh of the ball sailing over the lineman, that first field goal. It's actually mm-hmm. like, very well shot and cool. It's about as cool as you can make a field goal. Yeah, the the football is not shot poorly. I will no, actually. No, it's 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 pretty good. Yeah, it's very solid. It captures the time period while the uniforms, the the sort of feel. They didn't make it. They didn't make Marshall like a eighty thousand seat stadium and make it unrealistic. You know, it it is authentic to the times in that very specific area. Mm-hmm. You know, and then, it's almost um, like wait. I was gonna say it's almost like there's enough good in this movie, in this really bad movie, that you think, wow, this actually this guy has the talent, Mick G, to put together a good movie, but it's so lazily done. Yeah, well, it's it's very like kitschy and Hollywoody and full of cliche, and it's like if you took the guy who directed Charlie's Angels and gave him a f- emotional football movie, what would he do with it? And yeah. that that's what happened. Yeah. As yeah. far as what didn't work, guys, do you have anything? Uh, uh, um, yeah. So, I mean, there's, okay, I think I got, maybe this is just because I'm a kid, but I don't think so. I got very bored during this movie. Like, oh. I. Nope, just, not just because you're a kid. Okay. That, that was a real there thing was, that happened. We were talking, there's like, there is this. There's just so much of this movie 
is just people walking up from behind someone, and the person they're walking up to is sad, and the person who's walking up to them gives them a reassuring speech, and then the person who's sad gives this whole monologue, and that's like at least 50% of the movie. And it's just, right. it's just that, and it's really boring, and I know it's emotional and everything, but it's like, it's like if every day you get a new dog, and every day your dog dies, it doesn't become sad anymore, because your dog just dies, and then your dog dies again, and your dog dies again, and then it just becomes something that happens. And with this, I feel like they use it so much that it just, it, it doesn't feel anything anymore. It's like when the Looney Tunes hit someone with like that big wooden hammer or the yeah. big wooden mallet yeah, and thing. just a massive welt appears on their forehead. It's like they just overdo it. They're just hitting you over and over and over again at the head. I think you're exactly right, Emmett, in that it just it gets you to the point where you don't really feel the impact because it's so overdone. Yeah. You know what's interesting about First of all, my kid is really smart. I just want to say that Thank that's you, a really father. good – Yeah, very smart. And um, you must have a smart mother. And um, – <laughs> I think it's interesting that what he's saying, number one, it's true, but number two, it's not just that there are a ton of monologues. It's that the monologues are actually almost identical to one another. It's someone saying, basically, I can't do it. I can't play football. I can't go on with my life without my son. I can't go on with my life without my boyfriend. I can't convince the NCAA that we should be able to recruit freshmen. Then someone else, usually Peppy Matthew McConaughey, saying, listen, you got to have hope. You got to be able to do it. You got to be able to do it. Then the person saying, okay, and either going to the NCAA or in the case of Kate Mara's character, driving off to California. In the case of Anthony Mackey's character, going to play football. In the case of Matthew Fox's character, returning to be a coach. Like it's, it's conflict, pep talk, positive resolution, repeat in this movie. Yeah, it gets exhausting. I have one thing that's a little nitpicky. The the president Don, you're talking about going to the NCA when he shows up at that dude's oh. house with no umbrella. Just so like, what were you doing? I think it was at the office, wasn't it? At the office, I think he was th- leaving th- the office. Yeah, mm-hmm. he shows up. At, so hypothetically, you took a flight, you took a cab. Like you couldn't have realized. Wait, it's pouring. Maybe I can get this cab driver to stop so I can buy an umbrella. You just mm-hmm. stand. You're just standing in the. I'm. I was flabbergasted. Wait, don't you think the uh, don't you think the guy McGee is like all right. We need to make this guy, we need this scene has to be as pathetic as possible. Well, how can we do that? All right, number one, let's have snow. No, snow isn't good enough. Let's have rain. You know what? Pouring rain. All right, so we'll give him an umbrella. No, no, let's not have an umbrella. No umbrella. And then uh, what time is it going to be? Let's have it like two in the afternoon when everyone's No, no, no. The president of the NCA is working late at night. We'll have it late at night. And, well, he wouldn't be working. That's okay. We'll just have it. So how is he going to know it's him? Well. We'll just, he'll just know. He'll just know. He'll walk out and he'll, like, how would he have identified this as the president of the NCA walking out of the office at eight o'clock at night to begin with? I mean, it, it's, it's exact. I think you're exactly right. It's like McGee was like, how can we make this guy look super pathetic? I have another thing that and I, and it never to... happened that way, Kyle. I just want to yeah. say it did not actually happen that way. I think that's like an evergreen statement for this movie. <laughs> I have another thing. So, the night of the crash, the Reggie Oliver goes and buys that beer for his teammates. And then oh, oh he's so God. emotionally scarred. He leaves it in the dorm room. And oh, just yeah. for, for a present company, just in general, if there had been a box of carbonated beverages that had just been sitting warm in a room for a year, 
could you and your friends easily drink all of those and just hang out? Like just the feasibility of like, Oh, Hey, it's a warm, I mean, <laughs> it's a warm beer. Warm beer is a, probably a bottom five beverage. Have in, you Kyle? I don't, I'm actually not a beer drinker and I, Emmett, are you a beer drinker? I'm, I mean, occasionally. Yeah. So, but not often though. Only, uh, only, uh, only on Saturdays and Sundays and Thursdays. Um, could you, Kyle, how long, I don't, I literally, I, I'm allergic to beer. I do not drink beer. Could you have, how long can a case of beer last, um, not refrigerated? Like, would it still be decent beer to drink? I don't, I, I really don't think so. So that beer's roughly, it's probably like a year old. I think mm-hmm. it, it's coming up on a year. It hasn't been refrigerated. I don't, I don't think it'd be good. And regardless, like drinking a warm beer is hell on earth. Yeah. It's also weird. Like what was he somewhere? Whoever wrote the film or McGee was thinking like, oh, wait, we need some kind of symbol to reflect uh, the recovery, right? We need something. What could it be? How about a football? No, not a football. How about like a song? No. How about a case of beer? Brilliant. Let's do it. A case of beer it is. Um, like, I, I just looked up um, a case of beer in the refrigerator. It's about safe to drink after six to eight months. So these guys are all getting sick. I mean, not safe to drink, but the like, yeah. it's, it generally lasts at quality for six to eight months refrigerated. So Yeah, this wasn't refrigerated. Yeah. These guys are getting sick. These guys are throwing up. They're getting food poisoning. They're probably all going to the hospital and they're missing the game against Moorhead State. Wow. Yeah, Re- Reggie's going to practice just puking his guts out. That's great yeah. research, Emmett. Well done. They're going to play. They're playing the tight end who, uh, who came off the basketball team at quarterback last game. Speaking of a player on the team in general, uh, a more serious thing that I don't think this movie did well. All I think all good sports movies get you, unless they're focused on a boxer, like strictly focused on an individual, they get you to invest in m- multiple members of a team. You, mm-hmm. you, there's something about those characters that you like. You're rooting for. If it's a That's team a sport, um, like I did, I rewatched the Mighty Ducks last night for next week's episode. Mm-hmm. And I'm not the, I'm not the biggest Mighty Ducks guy. It's not quite as, for a lot of people my age, Mighty Ducks is like, oh, Mighty Ducks. But one thing that movie does really well is you leave that movie being able to name about eight characters and you're, you were into them and you, you kind of, you were rooting for them and all good movies do that. All good sports movies do that. This movie, you're not in, you're invested in Ruffin. But that's that's thrown at you from the start. You're kind of invested in Reggie Oliver, a little as the bit. the guy who you know bought the beer and is struggling with his his guilt, but is also the the option quarterback. You you're invested in him because he's the quarterback. You you know who he is, but you're not that invested in him. And then other than that, like there's no one. Well, the coach, the two coaches. Yeah, yeah, there, yeah. There's a code. When when the action's going on in the field, you can't name like remember the Titans, for instance. Remember the Titans, you know, has yeah. its flaws. But when you're watching the on-field action, you can pick out multiple players. They're highlighting stuff multiple players does do. When it is nameless guys making football action, you're just not nearly as dialed in. Yeah, really good point. Actually, I agree with that 100. percent did you guys have anything else on your list of stuff that didn't work, Emmett? Um, I don't really know. I think maybe the whole diner thing. That diner thing kind of confused me. It was like a symbol 
of what's left of the town, but it I don't think it ever existed, and it was filled of just made-up characters, and I think it was something to sort of represent the story or add something to the story that was, like, Hollywood-y. Yeah, that's actually true. Um, and you know what else I thought was interesting, Kyle, is um, she had 36 martial... I've got, like, in regards to the laziness of it all, 36 players died. I'm sure one of them had a girlfriend, right? You could have done your research. You could have had your research team take 10 minutes to do research uh, and, and had a real, like, a character actually based on a human being. Um, and instead they give us Kate Mara playing someone who doesn't actually, never actually existed. And it was just like lazy, little stuff like that. This whole movie was a lazy, the research they did on this, on this movie was pathetic. I probably could have made, like, I could have come up with a script for the, like a movie about this with the same amount of accuracy. Yep. I agree. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like, it was basically like they read the Wikipedia entry and then probably watched that documentary and went for it. Yeah, totally. And, uh, I have kind of a question. The uh, the scene there's a, there's kind of a question. It was after the first game where they they, um, they get beat pretty bad, or maybe after second game, and everyone's kind of you know is the is the oh, yeah. town really behind this football team or whatever? And the coach McConaughey's character uh, Langle walks out in his front lawn, and everyone's walking oh. to the stadium, and he's like energized. Why are they beating him to the stadium? Wait, Evan, did I not say that he to did you? Say that to me. <laughs> That's what the so hell weird. is with that? And it's and the kid's like, Daddy, look. And he's like, uh-oh, I'm late. But he didn't actually yes. say that. He's just like, it's game time. Oh, my God. That was so – that's a great – that's a hell of a question right there. Like, why is the – like, you hire this guy. Presumably, he's a hard worker. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be the last one to the game. Sorry Daddy, about that. Daddy, look, you're late. Yeah, it's crazy. And it's simple. If you wanted to do that thing where he sees people filing in, he could have been up at his office or something. If you put his office in like a press box or something and he sees from, you know, down below, he sees people walking towards the stadium. Like he's in there crunching film, but like, no, he slept in. He had a nice brunch with the family. What are you doing? You guys play at noon. Yeah, yeah, that's insane. He should have been there at seven in the morning. There was another thing where I think after the first game when they lost, like, the whole town was like, oh, I guess this football team thing was a waste. Or like, oh, I guess it didn't work. Two things. First of all, it's the first game. And second of all, it was majorly expected. You have freshmen on your team. You have no experience, right. a shorthanded staff, shorthanded players, and you don't have, like, any time to prepare that much. And they're all like, well, you know what? Guess it was a waste. So. Wait, Kyle, that is such a good point. That's a great point. Like, literally, in the movie, it's like they're getting their, their asses kicked, which, of course, they were going to get their asses kicked. They were a bunch of freshmen and guys who had no business playing college football. And the reaction isn't, it's so great to have football back, or maybe we shouldn't have football back because it's too soon for the tragedy. It's, oh, they just lost really bad. Maybe this was all a mistake. Mm-hmm. Like, what? Like, what? That doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah, you knew exactly what was coming. You just implemented a brand new offense. <laughs> yeah. Like, that is strictly for teams running the basics. It is now strictly like a service academy offense. Yeah, right. They were basic. That is one point, though. The movie at least gave Bobby Bowden his due. Yeah. Because uh, apparently Bobby Bowden opened up, you know, did exactly what he did in the movie, let them study film and everything, and was very, very welcoming. Yeah, in, but Kyle, in, terms of in that. that- in that scene, 
when Matthew Fox and Matthew McConaughey go to the University of West Virginia offices and he sees the two guys with the crosses on the back of their helmets, which is actually a nice little moment. McConaughey does my worst thing. He, my least favorite thing. He goes about him and he goes, that's class coach class. <laughs> hey, we have to acknowledge that we saw that. Yeah. It's just a, wait, can I say one more thing, Kyle? Can I make one more point? Hey, we've got all the time in the world. Oh, great. I feel like one thing they could have done, like to me, there was an obvious um, scene that was left out of this. Um, and it would be one of the first things I would ask as a journalist if I were doing a story on that season, which is what was the first time you flew as a team that season like? Like, what were the emotions? What was it like getting on that plane? What was that flight like? Like, that's those kind of moments that are real, that have real emotions that go with them, the sort of fear, the trepidation, the are we okay here? I just think that was like, that's something I would have put in this movie. First time flying as a team after a plane crash that wiped everyone out. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's it's just it's frustrating because there's missed opportunities of things like that, potential things that actually happened, and then they choose to supplant them with stuff that didn't. Did you guys have anything for best or worst on-screen athlete? The only thing I wrote down was they did a good job of getting guys who look like 70s football players. And then um, the guy who played Reggie Oliver, I thought uh, Arlen Escarpeta, mm-hmm. uh, did, a, did a good job of looking like a 70s option quarterback. Anyone? No, I, I don't really know. Yeah. I thought the um, – I, I was kind of hung up in the basketball player turned tight end who just didn't look like a football player at all. Uh, and it was kind of preposterous. Like he's tall, so he'll be able to catch passes. Um, and I thought, again, you know, Anthony Mackie, I got to say – He's a little bit overlooked as an actor, just overall in society. But you put together a lot of his performances. I mean, I always think of him mainly as Papa Doc from Eight Mile. The guy's a freaking stud of a of a of an actor, and he's really he's easily by far the best guy in this movie, uh, football wise, acting wise. He's this movie is is rot uh, without Anthony Mackie. It's actually never rot forget that Papa Doc uh, froze. Yeah, he froze at the end, but he was he great. Froze. His um his IMDb his resume is is incredible. Right after um right after Eight Mile, he did uh, he was in Million Dollar Baby. He had kind of that bit yeah. part. Yeah. Um, and then two years after this, he does Hurt Locker. Yeah. Uh, which, you know which win, which wins an Oscar, and then he's just I mean he's been working nonstop. Yeah. And then he- and then obviously you know he finds his way into the Marvel movie and. Now he's, it's Marvel. I think of him a lot in the way I thought of like Don Cheadle uh, a decade ago, where he's just, or John C. Riley uh, for a while. Like he's this really, really good actor who's not thought of quite as a star. But at the end of his career, you'll look and you'll be like, wow, this guy was in 50 great performances one way or another. Yeah, I mean, he's in, he's in at least one good movie every two years. Like if you just look at his, if you just look at his uh, his resume, it's a good um, it's a good read. The Lenny Harris Award, uh, pinch hitter award for best supporting character. There's not a lot of characters in this movie you really love. I thought uh, Robert Patrick, aka the Terminator from T two, as the the coach who who perishes in the plane crash. I thought he was seem you know he seemingly did the part as a uh, as a tough. 70s football coach did you guys was there a supporting character i think every and everyone besides mcconaughey matthew fox and anthony mackie were uh were up for this were considered supporting characters in this movie 
Well, one thing I found interesting, I didn't know until looking at the IMDb, is Kimberly Williams, who is a father of the bride star, plays um, Matthew McConaughey's wife. And while she was allowed to do absolutely nothing in this movie, like the women are reduced to pretty much nothing in this movie, um, I like that she was in this movie because I just wondered what the hell happened to her. So there's something. On that note, January Jones as McConaughey's wife, I, I don't know if Mad Men had started at this point, but they have the emotional reunion. And then, yeah, she's a nothing burger, too, for the rest of the movie. They give her absolutely nothing. Yeah, nothing. Zero. Emmett, was there a supporting character that you liked? Um, You don't have to say yes. There, there doesn't have to be someone. I mean, I don't think the supporting, like, there wasn't. There were some... It's hard to tell who's the main character. There was, like... Like, it could be the player that tried getting the team back. It could be the new coach. It could be the guy, the assistant coach. There were a lot of main characters, so it's hard to tell who the, uh, like, supporting characters were. And then... I mean, like, the three main characters I find all unlikable. But... I mean, of the... um, supporting characters i didn't really like any of them yep i agree and i think you touched on something important is that who is the main character like it's really like who is this movie about well it's mcconaughey he's a main character and it but it's like why is it about him it shouldn't if you're making the story i don't think it really should be about him and they gave him such a a shit script to work with like a a character that I just don't, I didn't find realistic at all. In fact, worst on-screen athlete, I will, t- I tie in coaches to that sometimes. I think it's McConaughey. I don't think it's really a fault of his own. I think he's reading the lines he's been given. Again, like, I I stand McConaughey. I like his stuff. Um, I, I just, I I don't know who wrote, who whose idea it was to make the uh, the character like that. I just didn't, wasn't a fan. Yeah, Jamie Linden did the screenplay and he also wrote dear John and money monster. Um, he hasn't written anything in three years and maybe that's why I hate ripping writers. Cause I know how hard it is to write and I actually don't like ripping writers, but this movie, whatever that, whatever happened there, it just, it was a shit show of bad. Sometimes you just gotta, you gotta flame someone. The big chill, uh, which is the moment in every sports, movie, every good sports movie has a big chill moment. Something that makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up. Um, this one, I, I had four nominees, actually, surprisingly. The, the, cr- the plane crash, which, uh, you know, I th- I, I'm already going to say that's my, that's my number one. I, I think that's an incredible scene, honestly. Um, when Ruffin breaks down in front of, of Langle. You know what I mean? Take a shout. And it was like this stupid contrived nonsense. It didn't have to be that way. And in this movie, like, um, and then, uh, Langle's speech to red in the church. And then the last play, I guess, I feel like in every movie, I just, I write down the last play. Cause it's supposed to be the, the big chill moment. I, I think it's the plane crash. What do you guys think? I think the plane crash is like, I, I watched the movie a long time ago. I watched at least half of it. And pretty much the only thing I remembered was the plane crash. So, yeah. I mean, that 
that kind of says something, but I mean, maybe it doesn't say anything because the rest of the movie is really boring. Also, um, the scene you mentioned in the church, I remember, I think I wrote down, how did he know he would be in the church? Like he just shows up at the church and there's the one guy in the church. Like, did he go to his house first and say, Hey, where's where's uh, Matthew Fox? And his wife's like, yeah, is that church by himself? Cause that's what he does. Made no sense. It's a plane more, crash. More cut lines for January Jones. It's definitely the plane crash. I was trying to think of like, I was thinking in my head, what is what are other movies where the best part of the movie is the first 20 minutes? I can only think of one, and I can't think of two more different movies. It's Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. I mean, I hasn't seen that, but Saving... There are some movies. I mean, it's interesting. Like, I didn't love Flight. I don't know if you saw Flight with Denzel Washington. Yeah, with Denzel. The plane scene... I mean, it's one of the great aviation scenes in history of, I mean, it's a great aviation scene. So it's a great 20 minutes, just like this movie. And then I thought the rest of the movie was sort of okay. Um, so maybe it's just about plane scenes. Plane scenes, are, there's something, uh, you can do a lot with plane scenes. Or or maybe it's because uh, Brian Garrity, uh, the, the guy who played Tom, the uh, Ruffin's friend who didn't want to play football, is mm-hmm. the co-pilot in flight. Oh, is that true? Yeah, Wow. Well done. I didn't recognize him. That's amazing. Yeah, well I, done. Th- the only things I recognized him in were Flight, and then he was actually in The Hurt Locker with Anthony Mackie, too. Wow. He was, the, he was the guy who gets added to uh, to the bomb squad. A lot of crossover here. Nice there job. is. Yeah. So uh, the toughest question, the, the, the last question, how would you improve this movie? Oh. Um, Emmett, do you want to start? Sure, I'll start. <laughs> okay. I think you just you trim out like at least 50%, at least 50%, because it's just, there's so much, and it just gets really boring. And then you take out the stuff that didn't happen. Now, you could have a little exaggeration, but you take out the stuff that didn't really happen, like the We Are Marshall, which, and then the guy who's never supposed to be on the plane, you take out all the stuff that never really happened, and... As long as it doesn't majorly add anything, like, I didn't actually think that the We Are Marshall chant added that much. I think it was something for the movie to focus on, but I don't think it actually added that much. And then, I think you just, um, you have less stupidity, which is, I mean, like, less of the coach character that he is, because he's he's just so annoying. And then you have Less of the, like, seeing the basketball player and, oh, this guy must be our tight end or something like that. So, less of that, more realistic, less monologues, and I think then it could be a very solid movie because it is actually a very good story. I mean, I think that was very well done. I, I, it's, I can't agree. Jeff, did you have anything to add to that? I mean, the only thing I would say, I think it could have been, you could have taken Anthony Mackie's character, which is a real guy, you know, like a real guy, who was at a movie theater when the plane crashed and make the movie all about him. Like everything is from his vantage point. It's this guy who was a star in the football team, who was left behind by all his friends who died. He was supposed to be on the flight, but he wasn't. He ran to the scene. And then he has this season of like all these mixed emotions and the the guilt of, should I be out here? And I should have been on that plane. The highs of seeing it. Like you could have made the whole movie a much more narrower scope not have to invent a million different things. And I think it would have been a strong, strong, really strong film. I think so too. I think, I think making the head coach McConaughey's character, a supporting character, a clearly a supporting character would have been the move. 
focus on the people who are there, like like rough and the people who are affected by the tragedy and do that. And and like both of you said, you know, trim the fat, narrow the scope. There's a, I mean, there's a good there's a good movie here somewhere. It's not on the screen, but there's absolutely a good movie here. I mean, it's why it made an award-winning documentary. Um, you know, it's it's just it's a bummer that it that it turned out this way. Honestly, yeah. I think the part you said about the head coach being a supporting character, like if I were one of the people who lived in the town and the head coach just comes here, I'd be like, you don't belong here. You don't know any of this. And you're just being this weird, goofy guy who nobody likes. And he's right. just focused too much on and he's seen too much as a good guy. Like he doesn't actually do that much good. Yep. The old West Virginia proverb of we don't like your kind around here. Exactly. And also, like, don't make him a blithering idiot. There was no... To me, that's actually the greatest mystery of this movie, above all my complaints. Why did you take a coach... I'm sure this was a really hard thing for a head coach to do. I'm sure it was a really difficult situation. It could have been a sullen guy. It could have been every personality from Nick Saban to... I don't even know. You know, whoever. Whoever the wild... Marty Schottenheimer back in the day. Like, it could have been any of those. Why would you go out of your way to make him a blithering idiot. It makes no sense. And it was really disrespectful to the legacy of a coach who actually existed. And there's no way he was as insensitive to how people were feeling as it came off on this movie. And I, I think that's the biggest, one of the biggest insults that this movie provided. But, uh, w- w- which kind of makes it a total bummer. But it wasn't a total bummer that you guys joined me. I'm really appreciative. Enjoyed having both of you on. I we we I want to do this again sometime. We got to figure out another movie to cover. Uh, Jeff, we want can Teen we, Wolf uh, Two. Kyle, we want Teen Wolf. Two. Oh Kyle. God, I forgot about Teen Wolf Two. I got to watch Teen Wolf Two. It's terrible. Uh, we, we terribly great. Sure. Can't wait. Cannot wait for that. Uh, Jeff, where can the people find your podcast? Uh, well, it's called Two Writers Slinging Yang. Most of the ads are done by my kids, either Casey or Emmett, and. Um, you know, it's on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, all those places. Awesome. Awesome. Well, guys, thank you so much for uh, for coming on the, the podcast. If you enjoyed Big Screen Sports, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Rate, leave a review. Uh, check out episodes every Thursday. And also check out the rest of the Blue Wire Sports Podcasting Network. We've got all your sports podcasting needs uh, for, for this fall, especially football season, gambling, anything like that. And uh, we'll catch you next Thursday. Thanks. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment 
and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.